content provided in this podcast is for general information purposes only. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect that of the Mississauga Board of Trade. The world is currently experiencing a capacity crunch and a need for new investments. So what are the investment needs that will help the global economy? To help us with the discussion is Peter Hall. Peter is the Vice President and Chief Economist for Export Development Canada. With over 30 years of experience in economic analysis and forecasting, Peter is responsible for overseeing EDC's economic analysis, country risk assessment, and corporate research groups. You can also watch Peter's weekly video commentary by visiting EDC's website at www.edc.ca. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for having me again, David. Well, Peter, I listened to your commentary, and and uh, uh, so I want to get your take on, on my take on the dilemma, because the dilemma is we have a capacity issue today. It sounded like your commentary was talking about uh, the long game, you know, investment, because investment in in manufacturing or to prop up capacity, I mean, that could be three years, five years, 10 year, 10 years down the road. So how do you, uh, how do you square that uh, with today's dilemma? It's an excellent question, David. And it gets to uh, one of the rules of thumb that economists use uh, when we're talking about investment. Um, so how quickly can investment actually respond to a need, typically when it's machine or an equipment, you can actually respond within about a six-month time frame in normal times. Now, I know that we've got supply chain issues right now. There are still chip shortages, and we can talk a little bit about that. There's something of an update to say on that. But generally, and in good times, that would be about the time threshold. You want to put a building up. It's much more complicated than that. You're talking about a two- to five-year time frame. And those that can do it in two years... I don't know what kind of magic they've got, but um, getting through all the approvals and the site plans and the architecting and the initial footings being put in for buildings and so forth. So they're all the important structural stage as well. You know, that can be rather complex and cumbersome. And there are more reviews that we have to go through these days. So that time is likely lengthened out. So your point is a very good one. Um, although there's a counter. And that is technology that's increasing at an, an, you know, an eye-popping exponential rate. And when we had the crisis of COVID that hit, it was amazing how quickly companies could respond to that, especially in retailing. So if you didn't have a proper you know, online ordering platform and an ability to swing into curbside delivery and uh, home delivery and so forth, then you were toast. Like you had to board up and you had to wait for a while until the lockdown was actually over. Those who were able to overcome that, of course, were operational as soon as, you know, as soon as they could be. And of course, crisis, as I've said many times before, is the mother of transformation. Uh, it's not just an incremental thing. And businesses really got behind this one and showed themselves that they could actually adapt very, very quickly if they needed to. So Peter, uh, in investment is, is one part of the, of the puzzle. I mean, we've got these other parts, and, and I, I, I get the feeling that sometimes, you know, we're in that chicken and egg kind of syndrome, because if you, we have a labor shortage, we have a critical 
global labor shortage. If we had machinery, if we had the robots, we could, uh, you know, we could not replace people, but we could at least shore up that labor shortage with uh, with those robots. But you can't get the robots because you have a supply chain issue. And you mentioned chips, uh, so I'm looking forward to the update on on the chips. So we've we've got this we've got this global um, issue supply chain issue that doesn't doesn't that really stop us from from that that short term investment. A goal. Don't we really need to be looking more long term? You know, it's again an interesting question and a very good question, a very relevant question that we're getting from uh, our customer base right across the country. What do we do about a situation that just doesn't seem to have any short run solutions? Well, that's where I'll go back to something that I've said to you before with a bit of a smirk on my face, David, because um, it does seem that the supply chain issue is. Uh, rectifying itself more quickly than most had anticipated. Now, obviously, when you see shipping costs rising exponentially, and it doesn't look like there's any abatement in that, people start projecting off the end of that to some wild conclusions, and they hope to goodness that they are wrong. Um, Well, we've already turned the corner on that. The Baltic Dry Index came down precipitously in November, and the Harpex indication of where container ships are at the price, uh, the lease rates for ships have actually come down quite substantially as well. Now, prices of containers, as far as we can tell, are not coming down as quickly. That will that will follow. What about the chips? Well, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I said to you a couple of weeks back, you know, the greatest remedy for a price spike is the price spike. You know, it, uh, it it tends to undo itself, right? You have a price spike there, and what does it do? Everybody goes, wow, it's wildly profitable to be in that particular industry, so I guess I'll mobilize my ship, or I'll repurpose it to carry containers. Or guess what? There are five or six containers in the back 40 that haven't moved for five years. Let's get them back into the system. That's the kind of thing that happens. Okay, on the chip shortage side of things, is there a quick remedy for that? Well, Not necessarily. It takes a while to put a chip plant up. But guess what? The Europeans are saying, we need a chip plant because we can't be beholden to Asia. The United States gets into the same uh, mode. They say, we need a chip plant as well. The Taiwanese are actually uh, uh, preparing to build a a massive chip plant in Japan. So Japan wants its chips. Everybody wants their chips. And guess what? There's going to be a massive amount of entry and you know, oversupply that's going to drive those prices down. So what do current producers do? Well, if we want to avert that, we've got to convince the world that we can get all the chips that they need back onto the marketplace as quickly as possible. The earliest indications that we are getting is that the industry has wakened up to the needs of the marketplace and perpetuating a shortage for short run profit is actually, uh, it could be fatal because all of this entry actually happens. Well, that's how the beautiful demand and supply capitalist system actually works. You know, it's profit that attracts entry that gives the supply that's actually needed. And it all happens so automatically, just like it always used to. Well, uh, in the true entrepreneurial spirit, I guess when the chips are down, the entrepreneurs respond. Well, that was a sad time. Um, Peter, uh, but the, uh, the, the, the chips are only one part of the problem. There's also, you know, we have to 
we have to get the raw materials for the chips. And those are, uh, you know, we're talking about those rare metals that we have to mine in order to uh, to do that. So who has the greatest or greatest supply of those raw materials, those metals that we need to go into the chips? Well, those are all over the world. And, you know, from base metals right up to rare metals, the exact same dynamic applies. Now, when it comes to rare metals, the concentration of available rare earths uh, is, is an issue. And, you know, you remember when then President Trump was trying to do the biggest real estate deal of his career, let's buy Greenland because there's a lot of rare earths there and it would be great for the U.S. to have sort of a nearshore source of all of these things and it's so untapped there, you know, it's an absolute gold mine no pun intended, and uh, so on and so forth. Well, there's a tremendous amount of those that are actually locked into the borders of China right now, and, and there's a great vulnerability that's felt there. But broadening it out to the world situation, the, the bigger problem at the moment really is availability of minerals writ large. Do we have enough of this stuff? Absolutely. You know, the Club of Rome types that dredge themselves up every now and again to say, ooh, you know, there's only a finite amount of this on the planet. And, you know, we've got all the cheap sources of supply are proven wrong repeatedly because we are very, very creative at finding new sources of supply when we get really pressured into doing so. And of course, if they're harder to find, well, we're very creative about lowering the cost of those hard to find uh, metals as well. And so generally, the price mechanism inside of our current market structure is the best one. It's a blunt instrument, but it's the best one for making sure stuff actually gets to market. Now, that's a case where um, what you said right up front, David, is very true. It's hard to get it onto the market immediately. Uh, finding a brand new source of supply that's uh, cheap to get at and so forth, very, very hard to do. And uh, so, so that typically would take a few years. We had enough supply coming into the pandemic. I believe we still have enough supply now for the next few years anyway. So I would not label this the next looming crisis. And the conversation continues. We've been in conversation with Peter Hall. Peter is the Vice President and Chief Economist with Export Development Canada. You can watch Peter's weekly video commentary by visiting EDC's website at www.edc.ca. Peter, talk to you next week. Thanks again, David. Always a pleasure to chat with you.